What is up, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. UFC 273 in the rear view, and we're getting ready for another big fight card on Saturday night. Will Brewer, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm still geeked out from uh, from last Saturday, man. That card took forever. The fights were very, very interesting. Uh, but, I mean, it was a great night of fights. A lot of headlines to talk about, so I'm ready, man. Yeah, let's get into it. And you know what? I don't give a damn if it wasn't the main event or not. The biggest story of this fight card was Hamzat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. You knew this was happening, by the way. There's no Absolutely. way I was going to start with anything but that. <laughs> Absolutely. I figured, like, before this started, we'd be like, okay, we're going to start it from the real main event. The real the main event, yeah. main event, Dana White's main event, and then go yeah. go from there. So, yeah, I was definitely prepared for that. But, but man, um, Hamza Shemaev, Gilbert Burns, I mean, what can you what can you say from that, man? That fight was uh, outstanding. I'm not sh- – for me, it was not the fight I, I was expecting. I think that's what made it even more uh, interesting. Uh, Hamza went from taking one significant strike in four fights – to take in 119 and one fight with Gilbert Burns. I mean, I know we're going to talk a lot about Hamzat, but I really want to give Gilbert Burns a lot of credit because he fought uh, an outstanding fight. Uh, he showed his grit. He showed his determination. I mean, he's still getting dropped by jabs and shit, but Gilbert Burns uh, was really uh, going off. Uh, and He really made Hamzat dig down deep and really showed what uh, Hamzat was made of. So I really want to give Gilbert credit before we completely go in on on Hamza. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I've not had the chance at all this week to hear any other reaction yet to this fight and how people are kind of framing this thing. But if anybody is completely ignoring the Gilbert Burns side of this, it's it's so foolish. And I mean, when you watch what that fight was and the Gilbert Burns side of it and how much he made Hamza dig and, you know, him fighting through the adversity and you know, I, like you made the joke about the jabs and I laughed because it's a good joke. But I mean, are there are is there is anybody but Usman and Shamayev's jabs dropping him? And like that is a problem. But I don't know that anybody else has a jab that I'd be super concerned about anyway. Like, I don't know that Colby brings the same level of jab that I'd be concerned about if I were Gilbert or I mean, uh, you know, I, I know like uh, Leon and, and Luke are guys that can finish fights, but they don't have a jab to me that that just gets pumped out there the same way that Usman and, and what we saw from Chimaev in this fight. Uh, so Gilbert Burns, I, I thought, uh, rose to the occasion. And for him to be a guy that just, I mean, recently fought for a title, the number two welterweight in the world, to essentially have everything to lose from this, right, against a guy that's lower ranked but has all the hype and is the betting favorite. Gilbert Burns is completely an afterthought in terms of all of the pre-fight hype. Uh it, it was wild for him to rise to the occasion and fight that fight. It was incredible, and I have so much respect for Gilbert Burns and the just the heart that he showed, but also, like, the guy's a warrior, man. The guy is a warrior, and that was fight of the year in my mind. Like, I, I think it a lot like Gaethje Chandler last year, that is going to be a tough fight to beat, not only because the entirety of the 15 minutes that we watched being action-packed with, like, Rocky Four type of massive shots thrown but it's also the storyline that accompanies this right it is Gilbert Burns and it is Hamza Chimaev and the hype train and just everything that goes into leading into this thing and then what we actually got nothing short of spectacular like I don't know that this thing could have gone any better than it actually did yeah and uh this is like with all parties Hamza Gilbert the UFC I mean this fight went uh absolutely as well as it absolutely could have gone um I mean, for, for me, as someone, like I said last week, 
as a guy who had a lot of questions about Hamzat, I feel like I got those questions answered. Um, it's great when you see Hamzat just go run through people and everything, you know, but you re- when you really want to um, break down a championship level guy, um, you really want to see him fight a fight like he had against Gilbert Burns. Uh, you want to see him take punches. How does he react to punches? How does he react to being dropped? How does he react to not getting uh, a takedown so easy? You know, you want to see uh, all those things. And Hamza showed that he is a dog, that he has heart, that when the going gets tough, um, he doesn't back away. He he runs right into the fire. So much so that before the third round started, his coach is literally screaming at him not to get into a brawl. But I'm like, bro, we're two rounds in. It's been 10 minutes of a fucking brawl. What, what do you want him to do? I mean, there's... There's nothing else that, that he could have done to avoid a brawl. I will say, though, uh, to start out that third round, when it looked like both guys were completely exhausted, uh, it seemed like Hamzat um, reached down and found that second gear, that second wind, and was able to really get off to a really good start in the third round, which probably won him the round. So um, we got to see a lot from Hamzat, and we got to see a lot from Gilbert. And, I mean, I was one of those people who thought Gilbert was too small. I mean, I, I thought he's a blown up middleweight, but you saw the skill yeah. that Gilbert possesses. You saw um, the power uh, that he possesses. You saw um, how much of a problem that he is when he gets to the ground. Hamzat is taking down 95% of everyone else that he fights, but Gilbert presents something that nobody else presents really in that division, and that's the highest level of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, and, and if I'm Hamzat... I'm not really trying to test that out. I'm not trying to see if I can go on the ground with with Gilbert. So uh, I think Hamzat showed so much, and we got to see a lot from Gilbert as well. I mean, like you said, fight of the year up to this point, for me, it's not even close. I, don't, I can't even remember uh, a fight that even touches. That's even in the discussion right now. Like yeah. right now, it's Hamzat, Gilbert, and, every, and everything else. And look, there are going to be other sensational fights that probably are close to that by the time we get to December. But is it going to be Hamzat, Shemaev, and Gilbert Burns doing that, right? Like... You can't ignore who the people were and the the narrative surrounding this fight that accompany what was an amazing fight. Like that adds to the mystique of what we watched on Saturday night. And I, I, like I, we probably differ a little bit here. I would have liked to have seen Hamzat pursue the ground game a little bit more. I know that Gilbert is really dangerous from a submission standpoint, but in terms of Hamzat being able to control him on the ground, I thought that was very much a possibility. And like I'm going to make a joke here, but. He becomes friends with Darren Till and he immediately abandons the ground game. Like, what the hell, man? You know, like he's being compared to Khabib and then he becomes Darren Till's buddy and now it's just all stand up. Uh, but but no, seriously, like I, I would have wanted to see a little bit more or at least like get some of that, uh, which we didn't. And, you know, it was it was all brawl. Uh, but I think in terms of like the big question, does he have the stamina to go a full fight? Right. Because we had nothing had got past like a couple minutes. Uh, so that that question was answered. And then does, you know, does he have the ability to dig deep when he gets dragged into deep waters and he's exhausted? Like, can he find that gear within himself to rise above the exhaustion and the punishment you've taken and everything that's going against you to continue to, to go forward and win a fight? And he answered that question. I, I think that his star is probably bigger from what that fight was than if he had starched Gilbert Burns in like a minute. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Again, I would have liked to have seen a little more on the ground, and from a game plan standpoint, I I, I feel like I probably would have been like, let's see. I, I think he would have controlled Gilbert, but you know, maybe you're putting yourself at risk. I would say no more risk than especially in the second round when Gilbert starts landing big shots. And I mean, at that point, I was like, why get this guy to the ground? I mean, if nothing else, just to give yourself an opportunity to to gather 
and uh, and kind of reset. But dude, I was like, I, I it's hard for me to describe. Like, I, like I'm standing up the whole fight, and I'm like jumping up and down, and like it's almost like I'm throwing the punches on both sides. Like my right arm is Burns, <laughs> my left arm is Chimaev, and I'm like throwing the punches that they're throwing it. Like I was so geeked about this fight, watching it through the whole way. It was awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, just from the from the opening, I mean, there was so much hype going into it. And then like finally when when the when the ref is, is causing to center Afghan and it's time to go, like, I mean, I was so geeked. And then it was just you just wonder like what is going to happen? How long is this fight going to last? Cause like all, everything that we knew up to that point is Hamzad is about to obliterate this guy. Right. Um and then to see the the size difference, I mean, to see it on, on weigh-in day was one thing, but then to see it on fight day is a whole nother thing. Like Hamzad is a massive massive guy he's so big for the for the weight class and to see and to see uh Hamza really in, at the beginning to get him down it, it didn't really seem like it was too much of a struggle but I, I feel like Hamza was really trying to pick and choose the spots to really get him down he showed that he could get him down but then he just like you said he abandoned the wrestling altogether yeah. after that um but yeah this this whole fight man just it was just like what else what other surprising thing are we going to get to see? Because there were so many things that we saw that we didn't think that we would see. And it was just, it was amazing. All 15 minutes. Uh, for me, I kind of think that you could just give them the award now. I know you got some yeah. interesting fights that's coming up soon, but I kind of feel like you can give them the award now. But then just in case he's fighting next month. So I, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, it's not Michael Chandler on the other side, but Charles Oliveira has given us some really fun fights recently as well but yeah um i mean this it, it did feel like when that fight ended it felt a lot like chandler gaethje and the fact that number one i was like nothing is going to beat that for the rest of the year that's the best fight i've seen this year and there's no way anything's going to top that and then b it was like i don't know what's going to happen next on this card but it's probably going to suck oh god yeah i feel like the, the the crowd energy kind of dwindled down a bit um uh my energy was doing it that yeah. a bit. I mean, because I, I wasn't. I mean, I, of course, I was locked into the to the co-main event, but I was not watching it with as much enthusiasm as I was watching Hamzat and and, uh, and Burns. That fight was amazing. Yeah. Um, kudos to Hamzat, man. I mean, we. I feel like there's so much pressure riding on that guy. Uh, we we really don't talk about all the pressure because we kind of just feel like he's the boogeyman and he's just gonna start everyone. But there's so much pressure on him to actually do what he says he's gonna do. You know, he's got this. Conor McGregor mystique, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to smash this guy. It's like it's like a Conor mixed with Khabib, you know, type thing. Everyone loves him. Uh, he's got so much pressure. So when he doesn't get the finish in the first round, it's not like he's absolutely just chasing the finish. He's still going to go out there and prove that he's a dog. So, yeah. I mean, I was really impressed with Hamza, man. I know I had a lot of questions. I'm not going to say I was a hater, but I was just like, man, you know what? I know he's doing this to these guys, but I'm not there yet. But uh, as far as his, as his ceiling... Uh, he's definitely got championship potential. I mean, that yeah. didn't do anything as far as uh, it didn't break his stock to, to me. I know he took a lot of punishment and everything, but I I'm there. I think he's a championship caliber fighter, and uh, we he proved that on Saturday. Part of the punishment he took is a the massive jump in level of competition, but b I think it's it's being emotionally charged in that moment, in that fight, in that spotlight. And how many, like, like we can use the Terrence McKinney example here that we saw recently get that big opportunity, right? Like he's this phenom, gets the big opportunity, and he has the big moment early, and he gasses himself out, you know, when he gets overly excited and, and didn't have enough to even make it out of the first round, right? And, and, you know, on some level, it's probably also deflating 
when you do that. Not only do you gas your 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 physical tank, but I would imagine mentally it's also somewhat exhausting when you've done something like that and then you didn't put the guy away. So there's kind of a double-edged sword there where you you physically gas yourself and then and then mentally you're like and I didn't get him out of there. Like now you're you're mind fucked at the same time. Hamza kind of had both of those, right? Like I thought there was a chance he was going to physically gas himself out, but mentally nobody's been able to take his big shots to this point or or you know anything for that matter. And then there's Gilbert Burns not only taking it but coming back at him and delivering punishment. So I think just the the being caught up in the moment, maybe not fighting the smartest fight, but being able to overcome that part of it. Like he's probably the next time he fights, he's going to be way more strategic, I would imagine. But like overcoming, I think the mental part of, hey, I, I got into this war. This wasn't strategic at all. I didn't put him away. That was frustrating, but I still came through. Like that's a massive thing, I think, because it's it rarely goes that way. I think in the UFC, anytime there's somebody that has that kind of star power or that kind of rise or is viewed as maybe a big prospect that has an early, like round one type of like, uh oh, he could finish this immediately, and then that doesn't happen. Like it rarely ends up going favorable for them. Yeah, and and I, I've been, you know, of course, there's been a lot of comparisons to Connor. You know, uh, when Connor was on the rise. We didn't get to see this type of like what happens if this doesn't work. Yeah. What happens after the the initial storm? We didn't get to see, we didn't really get to see that when he was at featherweight or you know early in his career for that matter at, at all. Uh, what happens after the storm? I think we're just now starting to see like what happens after Connor's storm doesn't work. And sometimes it you know it, it hasn't really worked out well for him. But for Hamza, we really got to see that, and we got to see that against a a guy who's got so much experience, a guy who's been uh, in the, in the octagon with the champion, uh, who's been around the block, who's, who's been in there with former champions. Like, he's been in there with Damian Maya, who's experienced, Tywin Woodley, who's a, a former champion, Kamaru Usman. This is a guy who's been around the block. So uh, for Hamza to, 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 go out, to go out there, not really – the first round was what it was, but for him to rebound off of that and then still be able to edge out a decision, it says a lot about the guy. And we're only five fights into his UFC yeah. career. So he's only getting better. And that's a very, very scary thing to think about. Do you think other welterweights or the other elite welterweights after watching that fight think he's as scary now as he was before the fight? Or do you think that they probably feel like, hey, you know what? Maybe I would fight this guy. Now, I thought of three three names as soon as this fight ended. And it's the only three names that could possibly be next for him. I thought about... The Usman side of this, the Leon side of this, and the Kobe side of this. If I'm Usman, I feel a little bit better about what I saw. You know, I feel like Usman is a guy who matches up well with him, and I feel like um, I feel like Usman finally got to see a little something out of him. Yeah. To where the next time Usman's asked about Hamza, we're gonna hear some type of uh, response, like some type of something. We're not gonna hear uh, Usman say, "Show me something." Yeah. Usman might entertain the the, the idea of of fighting Hamza, right? Leon, same thing. I feel like uh, Leon might entertain it a little bit more now, but Hamza's such a strong wrestler. Leon's only going to talk about, you know, fighting for the title. But I don't. But I do think Leon was already going to fight him anyway. So uh, I'm sure if if the Usman thing doesn't, you know, come to fruition, uh, and that fight absolutely had to happen, uh, Leon wouldn't turn that fight down. Colby Covington, on the other hand, I do not think Colby Covington is going to fight him. I know that. Le I know that Dana said. That that's the fight they want to do next on ABC main event. Sounds good, sounds great, but there's got to be two names that's on that contract that signed. Hamzat's gonna sign it. I don't think Kobe's gonna do it because 
I don't know about you, but I feel like that's a terrible matchup for Kobe. Oh, 100%. because at least because at least Gilbert had something to throw back at um at uh at Hamza. Like Gilbert has power, and then on the ground, Gilbert has jujitsu. Kobe has a, a a freak gas tank, and he can wrestle. But when it comes to striking, what what can like what does he do that can really affect Hamzat like that? Like I feel like Hamzat is a terrible matchup for Kobe. Yes. Uh, I don't think he'll take it. I think that you might be initially right, but I also think with Colby Covington, especially after the Masvidal cops situation, he might be at a point where it's the only fight he can get. I mean, there there were people, there have been people over the last couple of weeks that have said like everybody should turn down Colby Covington fights. Like, don't, don't give this guy the opportunity when, you know, the like, he's not come out on the other side of this whole, like, Masvidal jumping him thing very well. And if you're the UFC, you, you say, like, nobody else is taking the fights with you. You have an image problem now. You can either fight Hamzat and get another big payday, and then, you know, maybe you lose, but it, at least it's a main event that gets you another big payday. Or maybe you beat him and you're right back to where you were. But otherwise... It, I think that momentum is going in the wrong direction for him. So he might find himself in a situation where, you know, that's the only direction to go to, to prevent the landslide that seems to be happening for him in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, I think if Kobe takes that fight, uh, the UFC would have paid him well. Uh, it'll, it might be the most amount of money that he's ever made. Uh, but I really think they're going to really have to uh, incentivize uh, Kobe if, to take yeah. this fight. Cause for, for me, I don't really see much of a, of a, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel for Kobe with this fight. I mean, of course, if you win, I mean, it's great. But do you really get a title shot when the champion's Usman and he's won two times? I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, there might not be many other fights out there for him. He's out there asking for Dustin Poirier, and that fight's not going to happen. Uh, he's not fighting any of the other elite welterweights. So, like, you know, Hamzat might be the only um, might be the only option for him. But this, I just this matchup, man. This matchup is terrible for him. Yeah. I mean, Hamzat is the bigger guy. I mean, we saw what he can do on the feet. We know that he's uh, strong with his hands. We know he's strong with his grappling. Like, I feel like this is a very bad matchup because Kobe's not going to be able to put a pace on Hamzat. Hamzat's too big. Hamzat's, Hamzat's going to be coming at him, uh, and he's got the power. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe Kobe surprises me, but I don't see it, man. Yeah, I, I think that... Um... I mean, best case scenario is that's a five round war that Colby just takes a ton of punishment in and uh, it's a Hamzat decision. That to me is best case scenario. Yeah, just, that, that is best case scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Kobe's Kobe, the way that Kobe's defense is, he's very liable to get hit. Yeah, for and sure. I feel like if he gets hit by uh, Hamzat, I mean, I, yeah. I don't see that going well for him. Uh, but I, I want to throw out another name to you. I, I heard people talk, kind of talking about this uh, on Twitter. So we talked about Usman, Leon, and uh, the Kobe side of this, but what do you think? Do you think that there's a better chance after what happened on Saturday for Nate Diaz to take a Hamza Shamaya fight? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. No. I think that I think the only thing that could possibly make that happen is if they give him a new contract, and I don't know like why the talks have right. taken so long, but like. I, Nate obviously wants to fight, and there's options out there for him. So I don't understand why they haven't uh, why they haven't came to terms on a deal or whatever the case is. But I know that the UFC, I know that the thought has at least crossed their mind that if the Kobe doesn't work, because that fight will sell Hamzat and Kobe. Yeah. If that fight doesn't work, you want to give Hamzat a name. Uh, 
uh, that he can build off of. And Nate Diaz is the only other name that I can really think of because you can't Hamzat can't really go back. Right. Like I don't really think he's got to go forward. So you got to give him somebody who's got that star power. And I think it's either Kobe or Nate. Yeah, I, I would say depending on what happens with Luke and Bilal Muhammad on Saturday night, if there's a ton of momentum gained from either one of those guys in that fight, like maybe that's like the worst case scenario is Hamzat versus the winner there. But I mean, one of those guys is going to have to do something that, that really gets a lot of positive momentum. That would be the other angle I look at it from. But A, I, I don't think Nate would take it. It's a terrible matchup. B, I like I kind of think, and I've heard a couple people in the MMA world mention this, but he has one fight left. They want to bring Connor back. And if Connor's it's it almost feels like for Connor, it's either get a title opportunity or Nate Diaz. The Nate fight makes a ton of sense because then you get the trilogy, you get Nate's final fight against Connor. It's Connor's, you know, I guess like throw his name right back into superstardom with a win over Nate to, you know, make him relevant again because he's on a losing streak now. Not that he's not, like, publicly relevant, but, I mean, in terms of, like, inside the octagon, uh, getting a win in a big matchup that people are going to pay attention to. So I almost think, like, it's the trilogy fight to me is the only way that that, that thing goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to see Dustin and Nate, but I, would too. I, I do think with, with, with how it's looking... Uh, it doesn't really seem like Nate has many uh, fights left, and it seems like you know Connor desperately. I'm not gonna say desperately, but Connor does need something like this. He needs um, the 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 backstory of the tri- of the trilogy, you yeah. know, because it's gonna put him right back in uh, the, that superstar light. And not that he's never that he's ever left it, but he's fighting Dustin Poirier and and, uh, and getting you know knocked out twice. Well, you know, of course the injury happened, but yeah. this is something this is something that he needs. Uh, to, to really catapult himself back into uh, that into that light, so I think that the Nate and Connor fight would be great. But I mean, I just don't understand like why this fight or why you know this whole thing with Nate has taken so long. I yeah. mean, he's he he fought last June, and I feel like he's been wanting to fight like since last October or November. Like he's been calling to fight for so long. He I'm and Dustin like, have been begging for that fight to happen on Twitter, even. Yeah. Right after, right after um, Dustin lost to to Charles, and yeah. that was in December. We're in April now, yeah. so at least four months that, that they've been basically saying, "All right, I'll fight, I'll fight you." You know, I feel like this is a very easy fight to make, but you know, for some reason, you know, the UFC isn't you know trying to sign him, or I don't know what the case is. I feel like there's a lot of options there. You just gotta uh, just sign Nate back, and then yeah. we can just roll. We can just roll with it. There's a lot of options. I don't understand why you don't make the Poirier Nate fight. And like, I guess if you if you just aren't planning on re-signing him and you want his last fight to be against Connor, then okay. Like that's the only thing that I guess makes sense. But that is a great fight on paper and in the octagon. Like Poirier yeah. Nate Diaz will draw, and it's going to be spectacular. Like those guys match up in a way that. I mean, I think Dustin wins, but I think it's going to be wildly entertaining, and it's going to be the kind of fight that most UFC fans want to watch anyway. So it just, yeah, it, it and and again, we don't even know, what are you going to do with Dustin going forward? Like that fight makes too much sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, there's obviously something going on for them to not make that fight. But yeah, I mean, for Hamzat, kind of circling back around, I I I, I do think ultimately they land on Colby Covington because uh, I think Colby's probably out of options. I think Hamzat runs through him. Um, if it is Leon, I think I think that's probably a Hamzat finish in my mind. Um, my question is, now that you've seen Hamzat for 15 minutes, how would you handicap a, a Hamzat-Usman title fight now? 
I would still favor uh, I would still favor Usman because of the championship side of this. The, the championship, yeah, the championship pedigree. Yeah. Um, how, how Usman has had to dig deep in championship level fights for for a while now. Like he's been champion since, since 2019, uh, and he's had four or five title defenses now. So Usman's been there, done that. Um, he he understands the pressures of a championship fight. And like when he gets when he gets in there, uh, I feel like he matches up well with 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 Shemaev. Uh, I think it'd be very interesting on the feet, and I I wonder if Shemaev would try to take Usman down. Um, we saw Kobe try to take him down, not really have too much success. But Shemaev is a much bigger guy, a much stronger guy. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we did see Hamza completely try to just bulldoze Usman and get him to the and get him to the floor. So I think that fight is very interesting, but I still would favor Usman. Burns is yeah. Burns versus any of those other guys. Burns is more dangerous from a from a submission standpoint, right? But he's not a wrestler. Whereas I think Hamzat would look at Usman or Colby and say like I'm the better wrestler and wouldn't be afraid to go there anyway. And as I say that, I also think it wasn't as much about being scared of Gilbert's submissions as it was like just getting caught up in being in a war and fight it. You know, like he even said like he just got really excited and wanted to finish the guy, and so he tried to finish the guy. So. Um, I, I think I would still pick Hamzat and, you know, I, Gilbert stunned, uh, Kamaru in that title fight. I mean, in the two Colby fights, we've seen Colby stun him a couple times. Like, it, it, you know, it's not like Usman, you know, we, we talk about Gilbert Burns taking that jab and going down. Like, it's not like we haven't seen Usman in, in a few fights, take shots from less powerful guys and get a little wobbly as well. So, um, I, I do think that the, uh, the power is probably on Hamzat's side in that matchup also. That's that's interesting, but I mean that's it's close because I do feel like Usman has really uh, turned it up in, in terms of power, in terms of finding he the right has. shots. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's that the power is it's toss up. Um, the wrestling uh, with Shamaya being the bigger guy, uh, I might lean a little bit towards Hamzat, but I, you know Usman is is a different breed when it comes to the wrestling. So I mean I don't know that that might be a, a wash as well, but. I think this this type of fight will come down to um, grit, that that dog. And I feel like we did see or uh, we did see Hamza bring that dog out of him. But I think you know at, at this moment, um, Usman has that that dog, and when it comes yeah. to that to, to these championship fights, um, we've seen him have to have to dig deep and pull out wins against Colby and stuff. And in terms of Hamza striking and stuff. I mean, we saw him land some jabs and, uh, you know, some some big shots. But, I mean, I don't really think we we saw Hamza really land, really throw any super, like, any knockout shots like that. I kind of think he was kind of touching him a little bit. So, I don't know, man. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be close. I need that fight, Will. I need that fight. ASAP. I want to see it. I will say, I think just fight IQ. And, look, Hamza's going to learn a ton from the Burns fight. But... Fight IQ, massive advantage for Kamaru Usman. Um, Absolutely. What do you do with Gilbert Burns now? Uh man. Like, I, before we got on, I, I literally saw a tweet that said, I don't want to go down. You know, I want to f- take one step back and then work my way up. I don't want to go all the way down in the rankings or whatever. I don't know what what he where he's at now in the rankings, but I do think that um, he should fight someone in the top five. Like, I don't really know who that is because the division's kind of – you know, at a, I'm not gonna say at a standstill, but it, you know, there's there's not many people like Wonder Boys like in there. There's uh, 
there's Masvidal, and I don't think either of those options are good for for Gilbert. I don't really think either of those options really do anything for him. Uh, there's like Luke and Muhammad and Abdullah Muhammad. You know, he's not going to fight Luke. They're they're brothers, but you know, if Bilal wins, I think that would be an interesting fight. Um, then there's like Neil Magny and um, can't even think who else is in the rankings. But you know, I, I got it's hard right to tell. Here. Like. Okay. It's so it's uh Colby one, Leon two, Hamzat three, Gilbert four, Luke and Bilal are five and six, and they're fighting Saturday night. So my first thought was, I mean, I guess from a ranking standpoint, like the winner of that makes sense. Uh, but you just gave a reason why that wouldn't make sense. Uh, Wonderboy seven, Masvidal eight, Sean Brady nine, Magni ten, Kiesa eleven, Jeff Neal twelve. I mean, now you're reaching the point where it doesn't even make sense. Um, it, right. yeah, he's kind of in an interesting spot here where. I guess it depends what what the next title fight is, right? Because if it's Leon, then Gilbert's kind of in no man's land. If Hamzat just jumps the line and Hamzat gets the next title shot, then Burns-Leon makes a ton of sense. Uh, but, I mean, if Leon's book, like we kind of think it's probably going to be Leon next for the title, then, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you got to give either Burns or Hamzat Colby Covington. I'm guessing it would be Hamzat, and then Burns is left without a dance partner, so... Um, I guess if Bilal be- beats Luke, then that then there's your fight. Uh, if Luke right. wins, I mean, I still think that's the fight to make, but it's it's about those guys agreeing to it. But otherwise, I, yeah, I, there's there's not really a direction to go, I guess. Yeah, um, it, it's tough. Like if, if Bilal wins, I feel like things get easy for for Gilbert. He, you know, I feel like that's an easy fight to make, uh, especially with the rankings. But uh, if Luke wins, things get uh, very interesting. How about this for a 170 fight? Gilbert Burns, Dustin Poirier. Ooh, that would be that would be really interesting. That would be, man. I kind of feel like Gilbert or uh, Gilbert would choke him out because Dustin's really susceptible to rear naked chokes. I agree. But um, I mean, if Dustin really wants to fight at 170 and possibly become champion, I mean, I, that's like a fast track to to getting right right up there in title contention. So that that would be really interesting. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like you could potentially see Gilbert fight a Sean Brady. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Gilbert would take that. I don't know if he'd take that. And, I mean, especially trying to capitalize on the momentum that he got even in a loss. Like, does Sean Brady capitalize on that from a name standpoint? Right. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it exactly. does. Um, yeah, it's, you know, he, his last fight was Wonder Boy, so that takes that out of the equation. Uh, I mean, I, right. guess, I guess Masvidal would, like, you can keep the train rolling and, and it's, it's hype on both sides of it, so... I mean, maybe that's the direction to go, but yeah, it's it, the, the like the Burns side of this is really interesting to me because I'm a lot of it depends, I guess, on what the next title match is, but there's not a lot that's just an obvious answer for him. Yeah, uh, not not a lot that's a, a answer for him, and like I said, one to capitalize off this big fight, you don't just want to throw him in there with anybody, but this is a guy who's got championship aspirations. Yeah. So if you want to just take one step back, I mean, you might have to. You know, just just take the next best guy available. Yeah. All right. Well, we've spent uh, 30 minutes talking about the uh, the fight that was not the main event or the co-main event or didn't even have a belt on the line, but it was certainly the headliner. And uh, I'll be shocked if by December we're talking about any other fight for fight of the year than Hamza Chimaev and Gilbert Burns. All right. Our main event was Alexander Volkanovsky and Korean Zombie for the featherweight title. Uh, Will, this was the only finish on the main card. Uh, and it was Volkanovsky looking as as good as he ever has. I, I kind of had this feeling like 
Zombie was maybe going to give us a perform a Brian Ortega like performance where uh, maybe it was going to be you know a few moments where he shined and we could be on the edge of our seat, but uh, we never really even got close to that. Yeah, Volkanovski looked amazing. I mean, uh, you could tell he was super locked in and he didn't uh, want to take any chances with Korean Zombie. Um, he went in there and just really put on a clinic, and uh, it got to the point where uh, before the fourth round started, he's asking Zombie like, "Are you good? Like, are you sure you're good?" Because after each round, it just looked like Zombie was just more and more defeated. And then it just kind of looked like once that fourth round started, he was just going out there just to go out there. Uh, if I was his corner, I probably would have stopped after the third. But, you know, you want to give you don't want to, Zombie to go out like that. You want him to go out on a shield. But still, you know, that was a lot of punishment that he took. Uh, Volk, I, man, he continues to get better um, every fight. Um, I think those those max fights, um we really didn't appreciate him as we should, but I think now we're finally starting to give him the credit he deserves. He's so good, yeah. um, very skilled. And um, I mean, he's been fighting such high caliber guys that he doesn't really get to finish all the time. So people might view him as boring, but I'm very, very intrigued by what I see when Volk is out there, man. He's so much smaller than these guys height wise, but he's so hard. He's so hard to hit. It seems yeah. like. Um, I'm sure Max hit him, but Max is, is is one of the greatest. But like Ortega, Zombie, they really struggled to really land anything clean on, on Volkanovski, man. So I'm really impressed with Volkanovski. He continues to get better. Um, he's telling he's telling these these featherweight guys, this is what I love about him. He's a champion that's doing it the right way. Like whoever is the next guy up, I want to fight you. So like he's telling the featherweight contenders, get your shit together. Whoever is the next guy, he wants to be active. Like, let's go. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a champion doing it the right way. And I don't know about you, but... If there's not a guy who emerges as the number one contender, I would love to see him go up and fight the lightweight champion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that would be really interesting. Um, I will say I kind of feel like there's already a line at lightweight, so uh, I don't know that I would want, like, for example, if Justin Gaethje wins the belt, I don't know that I would rather see Volkanovski Gaethje than I would Vol Gaethje Islam. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know that I would sacrifice that but if it happened i'm not going to be mad about it by any means um i do think that a division this time a year ago that just kind of felt like volkanovsky and holloway and then everybody else like in the last year i mean look at that top 10 alone all of a sudden i mean we've had all of these guys give really great performances and i think what volkanovsky is asking for is hey capitalize on that one great performance doesn't mean you're title worthy like you need to prove that you're that guy uh, but I, I do feel like there is a lot of forward momentum with basically everybody in that top 10, or I, you could probably even say that top 15. Like, that's a really fun division right now with a bunch of guys that have had some really great performances. I mean, even like Ortega and Yair Rodriguez, both of their last fights were losses, but but losses that gave them positive momentum because they were great fights and, and they showed their heart and laid it all out there. So I do think it is a really good division right now that is entertaining um, I, I think in terms of Volkanovski and maybe why he's not appreciated, and I know we've had this conversation before, but it's kind of the Usman factor, right? Where he had won four straight fights against big time competition, but it's all decisions. I think five of his last six had been decision wins before Saturday night. And I think to some level for, for the majority of fans, like if you're not putting people away, I think there's just, I think some people fail to maybe fully embrace your skill level if you're not finishing a fight. And I mean, what have we heard Dana White say for years? Like, finish the fight. Don't let the judges, you know, potentially have their say in a fight. And then you, you've got this guy that is, I mean, world class at 145 that's winning all these decision wins. But I think people are failing to appreciate him because it's not him stopping guys. 
And the minute that he starts stopping guys the same way that Usman did is probably the minute that he starts to get the the full appreciation of what his skill set deserves. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. But not only that, but the fact that he took the title from such a fan favorite in yeah. Max Holloway, that doesn't that doesn't help matters. And then in the rematch, um, the fight was so close that, you know, it could have went either way. Uh, that didn't help matters either. So um, fans are kind of fans were kind of like, ah, you know, we prefer Max. That's kind of what I view it more as. It's not that they don't like Alex, but it's that they prefer prefer Max because yeah. everybody loves Max. But I think now uh, Volkanovski is finally separating himself from the Max side of things and he's building um, a legacy on his own. Like we're, we're starting to put him in the uh, greatest featherweight champion ever. You know, we're putting him in that discussion with Aldo and, uh, and Max. So we're finally starting to appreciate him a little bit. Um, but in terms of the featherweight contenders, I kind of feel like everyone is kind of in the same spot. Yes, you know, I completely like, agree. Yeah, like everyone is in the same area to where like you could make a case for them to be uh, ne the next in line, but also like X, X Y, and Z has to happen. Like um, Ortega and Yair are ranked two and three or three and four or something like that, but you know they, they both are coming off losses. Um, Tater, Emmett, uh, uh, Giga, uh, who am I missing? Arnold, Arnold Allen, like they're all just in this, in this area to where like they have to do something to really stand out or they're just kind of in, in a bunch. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's a ton of positive momentum in that division. And I think a lot of excitement because of what, what a lot of those guys have done, but you're right. I mean, what's the difference between Yair and Brian Ortega and I mean, Giga Chikadze, like all those guys are coming off of losses. Like it's not that long ago that we watched Calvin Cater get completely dominated by Max. And I know he has a right. bounce back win now uh, since that point. Arnold Allen, I feel like, I mean, fights, he's like on the Stipe fight plan uh, where we <laughs> might see him once a year. And I mean, look, I think Arnold Allen is terrific, but the reality is Arnold Allen's best win over the current featherweight division is Sadiq Yusuf at 11, right? Like right. he's not fought any of the top dudes. So, I mean, it's easy to make a case against him. Um, you know, Josh Emmett, another guy that has won some big fights, but, uh, you know, he just got past an injury and if, you know, he's kind of in that same boat, positive momentum, but needs to, to stamp it with something that right. says championship worthy. And yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They're all in the same boat and somebody needs to separate themselves. And that's why, I mean, it's Max Holloway in my mind. There's yeah. no other way to go yeah. unless like very quickly do we see one of these guys <clears throat> go do something that's, that's, you know, very, very special. Otherwise, like it's, it's Max by, by a large margin. Right. And, uh, you know, he did say like um, he did talk about Max, like when the interview started uh, saying like there was a fight that was supposed to happen on this night. But I think now it kind of comes down to like what Max wants to do. Um, there's some t there's some times when it kind of seems like Max wants to fight. And then there's other times where it, where it seems like Max could care less about the fight. Um, I don't know what the discussions were like or anything, but uh, of course, like if if you can make the Max and, and Volkanovski fight, that's the obvious way to go. Uh, because the rest of the division is still uh, still working itself out. There's a clear number one contender. I mean, I know Volk yeah. has beat Max twice, but Max has won two straight featherweight main events. So, like, Max has earned his way back to that discussion. And there's no other guy to rival him right now in terms of who gets the next shot. So, uh, for me, it all comes down to if Max wants it. Because Volkanovski will fight him. Right? Yeah. Volkanovski wants, yeah. wants to be active. He'll fight him. It's not anything on Volk's side. It's if Max is healthy, does Max want the fight? I mean, if, if all of these stars align, then this is the easy fight to make. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I want my guy Ilya Taporia to get an opportunity at one of these big-time guys because uh, there's something there where I think, like, give him an Arnold Allen or a Calvin Cater, and let's see what happens. And if he comes out on the right side of that, thumbs up for me. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in on the Ilya Taporia hype train as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you can't – I mean, coming off of that type of win against a guy who's four to five inches taller than you and to fold him the way you did, yeah. At 155, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at 155. Let him go down to 145. Give him a big fight. I mean, I feel like um, a, a lot of these guys are just missing that one that one thing, that one stamp. And I think Taporia being undefeated, having that big win on a card like that London card, um, give him one big win. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to get a, a, a title shot off of that. Bryce Mitchell is kind of the wild card in that division. And I think stylistically, he he kind of stands out like a sore thumb among the other names. But I was looking at that division yesterday, and there's not a bad matchup anywhere. Like, think about stylistically, and I'm going to start reading names, and like you could almost put any of these guys against any of these guys, and you have great matchups. Ortega, Yair, Calvin Cater, you know, we just saw Korean Zombie, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Giga Chikadze, Danny Gay, Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos, Ilya Taporia. It doesn't yeah. like two draw two names out of a hat until you have each every one of those guys matched up and you're gonna be just fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, for for the longest time, I was saying like when Cater beat Giga, I was like Josh Emmett and um, and uh, uh, Calvin Cater. That's the fight to make. Yeah. But then you see what Arnold Allen did, and it's like, how can you not throw Arnold Allen in against one of those guys? And then it's just like Sadiq Youssef is building a name for himself. Bryce Mitchell is, is running through everybody. So like you said, just pick two names. I mean, especially the styles of all these guys. I mean, Bryce Mitchell is the only outlier, like you said. But, I mean, the styles are making for some pretty incredible fights. Like, I definitely feel like if you if you if if we can get Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen or Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater or Cater at Arnold Allen, like, these fights are going to be insane. Yeah. Giga so Yair. Just, uh, yeah, Giga just... Yair. Oh, Giga Yair. Can you imagine? Yeah. Man, like, and I literally, oh that wasn't me thinking about it. That was me literally just reading two random names off of that ranking list. And yeah, that makes sense. And it's a great matchup. Yeah, I was about to throw two other names out there. But then I, I thought about them too. I was like, whoa, yeah. like that's that's a fucking crazy matchup. Yeah. Like, come, like, come on, these these fights, they could, they're going to sell themselves. Like you put these put these fights on a fight night card and these are going to be fight of the night, fight of the year, potential fights, especially Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, Yair, uh, Giga, like Ortega, like yeah. Ortega's. Always in fun fights. Like, come on. We, we But like Volkanovski said, we've got to get this division moving. Like, there's not even any, like, fights on the books. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? So yeah. I understand his frustration. Um, like, we got we to gotta do something. Yeah. Start start signing fights, featherweights, please. Make it happen. Uh, speaking of fun fights, uh, I, I have to just mention this. I know he got run over on Saturday, but... I loved the entire buildup to this card, if for no other reason than the Korean zombie highlights and going back and rewatching some of the, the old zombie fights. Like, I'm such a fan of his. He's been as entertaining as anybody in the UFC for such a long time. He's always done it the right way. Like, you, if you watch the press conference or anything this week, like, he's so polite. Just, how can you not like the guy? And then you see all the awesome things that he's done inside the octagon over his entire time in the UFC. Like, I just wanted to take a moment to say, like, Zombie, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is the end or not. I think there, a lot of people got the idea maybe uh, on Saturday that, that that potentially is it. Either way, whether he keeps going or not, like, 
shout out to Zombie, who's been uh, you know one of my favorites for a long time and has always put on just thrilling performances. Yeah, like you said, he is the nicest guy. It looked like he was so happy that he was getting this opportunity, opportunity that he was getting the shine. He like throughout the embeddeds and the press conferences, he just had the biggest smile on his face. Like he just was really uh, relishing being in this moment, uh, and he deserves it. Um, this is a guy whose career got like basically halted in the in the middle of like his best years because he had to go uh, fight in the war. He comes back and basically puts himself right back in the title contention. Uh, he definitely deserved this this fight. Um, and then like you could tell like the uh, the media and the fans were appreciating ha- having Zombie in this moment. Um, first of all, who's got a better nickname than the Korean Zombie? Like. They're not even putting his his real name right. on the on any of the promotion or anything. It's the Korean Zombie Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. What a name! Um, and then uh, it's the, still, the walkout. Well, it still takes me a minute when somebody says like, "What's his real name?" Like, I know it, but it still like takes me a minute <laughs> to be like, uh, "Chan Sung Young." Like, it yeah, still is like gotta... one of those things because I I just never <laughs> say it. So like, it takes me a minute to find it in the in the memory bank. Yeah, and, and it's like. It's not something that you just normally just go out there and say, you know, it's right. like, uh, oh, uh, Max is one, Korean Zombies two. Like, yeah. it's not it's not ever like Chan Sun Jung is number two. Yeah. Like, no, we don't ever call him that. And then like the, the walkout is fun. Like, I feel like there was something a little extra special about this particular walkout. I mean, I feel like the crowd was into it. Uh, you could tell that he was really relishing in it. Um, but yeah, everything that goes into the Korean Zombie, man, what yeah. a career that he's had. I hope it's not the end. I hope he he has like another fight, like one last like hurrah. But even if this one is it, he deserved to go out in a in a title fight and put it all out there. But uh, Zombie is a legend, and uh, man, there's I can't say enough good things about the guy, man. He's a legend. I I love that song by the way, and his walkout. Like I went back and watched uh, the Frankie Edgar fight and the uh, Moicano fight and um, Yair, even though he lost that one, like. And in all those, like you, the walkout is so good. Like normally when I rewatch yeah. a fight, I, I go straight to the beginning of the fight. And like I rewatch those and I absolutely watched every step he took uh, <laughs> because I, I that song is great. And it's just it's so perfect. But yeah, shout out to the Korean zombie. All right. Co-main event. Um, we have Aljamain Sterling over Pewter Yon. We were both on the Yon side of this. Uh, what a weird fight. I thought. It was very anticlimactic for all the build of these guys hating each other and, you know, wanting to kick each other's asses. Like, it was kind of a dull fight to a degree. Uh, I thought that it wasn't done any favors by following up Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. I thought it was a very weird fight in the same way that the way Aljamain Sterling approached the first fight. I thought Pewter Yawn equally approached this one in a very emotional, like, not-himself type of way. I still scored the fight for, for Pewter Yawn, but... I, I thought that he really cost himself in the early rounds of of fighting too emotionally. He wasn't the pinpoint precision Peter Yan that we've seen, and I thought that opened opportunities for Aljamain Sterling to score. Um, Dana White, in his post uh, presser, said that he thought the the refs botched this and that Yan won. So that's another interesting part of this. But uh, it doesn't sound like Yan's going to get the next uh, another shot at Sterling at least immediately. Um, but yeah, this was such a weird fight that I just kind of found dull and didn't live up to the expectation, didn't live up to the hype, was completely blown away by the fight before it. It was weird in terms of the approach. Like, even the rounds in which Aljo scored and won, like, it was, you know, he can he had a lot of control, but, like, there wasn't much punishment or much... Like, it was just such a weird fight for two guys that, that quote-unquote, like, hate each other, 
And I just, man, it, it uh, that thing ended, and I was like, thank God it's over. Man, um, I'm, I'm on the other side of this. Uh, I kind of enjoyed the fight. I, I didn't think it was as dull um, as you did, but I, I definitely didn't expect it to be um, – well, I definitely did expect it to be more of like more of an emotional fight for both guys. It seemed like it was only emotional for for Peter Yan, and yeah. I think Aljo fought this fight very strategically, very smart. Um, but me just like being very curious on how both guys would approach it. I was, uh, of course, I was still coming down from the Gilbert and uh, Hamza fight, but I was very interested to see uh, what would happen uh, in this one. Um, I definitely feel like that first round was was razor razor thin. I mean. Uh, I, I said last week, I did feel like Jan was going to come out more aggressive, which he did. And Sterling was going to have to wrestle, which he did. Uh, I, I guess I didn't expect Jan to be as... I expected him to be more aggressive, but I didn't expect it to be, like, overly aggressive, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, it, it was... It almost careless, to a degree. Yeah, almost careless. Like, it wasn't Jan-esque. It wasn't what we're used to seeing. Agreed. Uh, and, and yet, he's, he still started slow. Uh, he was pressuring him more but it wasn't the yawn that we're used to it didn't seem like he was gathering data like he normally does it just kind of seemed like he was you know fighting out of emotion wanting to touch this guy um and aljo was just following the game plan and you know there's there's people out there who's talking about 10-8 in the second round uh i i'm not a, i'm not of that camp i mean for there to be a 10-8 i needed to see like multiple drops you know getting dropped a few times or um, Aljo just completely raining down punches. Like there yeah. wasn't enough damage in the second round for it to be a 10, eight. I'm so, one of those people that like, I think you and I both can appreciate grapplers and the control. And like, I, like there are a lot of fights that people say are boring fights that we disagree with. And it's, it's simply because they don't necessarily value the ground game. But when I start hearing 10, eight, like I have an appreciation for controlling your opponent, but simply controlling your opponent for the better part of five minutes without like punishing him or, any like that does not warrant 108 or I, like I never even considered 108 and right. like you I saw some people on Twitter throwing it out there I think the broadcast at one point even said something like maybe they could have given that a 108 I'm like in what world is that a 10 like we've never seen just control time on its own I mean there wasn't even like the the point where it got close to him like getting a submission or I mean there was nothing other than control that's that's not a 108 round in my mind or I mean may, I guess everybody kind of views that different but Simply controlling is not even close to enough for me to, to go a 10-8. Right, and, and there was that brief moment at the end where he flattened him out and was raining down some punches, but there wasn't enough enough of that. That only lasted like 10 seconds. So yeah. uh, if there was more of that, then maybe we've got something uh, as far as a 10-8. But for me, uh, it was just a 10-9. Uh, it was a dominant round, but it wasn't a 10-8 dominant. Um, but yeah, so for me, it just came down to the first round um, while... I did feel like Aldo, it seemed like, was the more, I don't know if he was the more active. I feel like he was more active in terms of throwing strikes. And Jan was was a little more, was he was a little less efficient than he normally is. Right. And and he wasn't throwing a, a, a whole bunch. So that's why I, I kind of leaned towards Aljo. But at the same time, like, I could definitely see where you would give the that round to, to Peter Jan. So when when Dana says, like, the judges, like, botched it, my question to him is like, so did Jan clearly win that fight? I mean, I don't feel like it was a clear win for either way, but I, I don't want to see a draw. So I, I feel like if yeah. you, I mean, you have to pick a guy in that first round. You have to pick someone to win. Um, for the totality of the fight, 
uh, I feel like that's probably what people were wanting to score this off of. But you have to go round by round. And I feel like after that first round, it was up for grabs. I mean, it's just who yeah. who did you pick? So it wasn't a clear a clear winner. I don't feel like there was a robbery at all. This was just a a really close fight that came down to one round. And it's just who who did you have one in that round? I heard people use the the term robbery, which is mind blowing to me as well. Like, what did you see in the first round? that can definitively say either guy won it. I, like, I, I think that, like, I felt like it was yawn, but, I mean, I, I I wouldn't stand here and say you're an idiot if you thought the other way. Like, if you tell, like, I could have easily, with one or two things going the other way, could have easily said that was an out. Like, I thought at the end of it, that's a really close round. I'm going yeah. yawn, but, like, if, if you tell me sitting next to me, like, I think that's Aljo, I'm like, okay, like, I get that. I can see it. Like, if you tell me that yawn won round two, that would be a robbery. If you tell yeah. me that yawn won <laughs> round three that would be a robbery. If you tell me that Aljo won either four or five, I would say that would be a robbery because I think two through five were pretty clear cut Yeah. for Aljo and Jan. Round one, you can make an argument for either guy. And it, again, you know, part of what where the sport is fun and frustrating at the same time is it kind of comes down to personal preference to some degree, what you value the most, how you value something over maybe something else. You know, some people can va- really value control time. Some people value damage more. Uh, some people value octagon control uh, you know, some people just value total strikes, uh, even if they're touches, you know, like so a lot of people value things differently. But I, I don't know where anybody could make the clear case in round one that that decisively either one of them won it. And yeah, I think the other side of that is over the entirety of the 25 minutes, you probably did feel like Jan had a few had a few more big moments. Right. than Aljo, because even Aljo's big rounds, there there weren't really even any big moments. It was just mostly control. So I, I, it's it's really easy, I think, after 25 minutes to probably look back on round one and say Jan won it because you kind of have the vibe that he got the better end of the entirety of the 25 minutes. But if if those guys only fought for five minutes in that round one and that was all the fight was, we're going to sit here debating right now, like, who was the winner? I don't know. That was the, one of the closest right. fights I've ever seen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Round one was, was, was very, very close. Um, like, it would be one of those things where you would have to watch it like again and again and again to like really uh, make a, a clear cut choice on who won because watching it one time doesn't, it's not enough. Like yeah. it's like, uh, you know, Jan did this and Sterling did this. Like you can make a case for both guys and it'd be a, like you, you wouldn't be wrong. Like you would be, you would be right. So um, it just came, like I said, it comes down to personal preference, like and around that close, just, you know, um, what do you value most? And I think that's what it came down to. Um, I understand Jan's frustration. Like he felt that he won, uh, but I also see the Sterling side of this, to where like he had to put, he had to go through so much over the last year, and uh, you could tell he was emotional uh, at the weigh-ins. He was emotional uh, when he got the belt wrapped around him. Like he had to go through so much, and for something that really wasn't even his fault, he's the one that got knee in the head. Um, like it, for me, whatever happened after the knee is kind of irrelevant because yeah. Jan is the one who need him. Yeah. So he he took so much shit from everyone over the last year. Like he's he's not a legitimate champion, and still after winning this fight, you still have the naysayers, the haters who who say this and that. But for me, I'm so impressed that he came back from a major neck surgery um, uh, against a guy who seemed like he was. Um, un, I'm not gonna say unbeatable, but he was gonna be really really tough to beat and uh, get get the nod. I mean, I'm very impressed by what I saw from Aljo. Um, that was one of those fights that you do want to see again, but with what happened in the first one, you're not going to see it immediately. So now we're going to move on to the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, Dillashaw's next, and then it sounds like, I mean, Jan will probably 
fights someone else and with a win probably puts his himself right back in that situation, uh, especially when Dana says that he doesn't think it was officiated correctly. Like, Jan is going to be given the benefit of the doubt at some point down the road to have that opportunity again. I think the other part of Aljo that, that people have a hard time with is his style isn't necessarily visually pleasing, right? So there's, I, I think, an element of um, maybe not appreciating him because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of unorthodox and the, you know, clearly like the stand up, he's not nearly as sharp as like Peter Yawn is. And then even in the ground game, he's not delivering punishment while they're on the ground. So I think there's, there's also a, a maybe failure to completely embrace his style. Yeah, I think that, I think that's definitely a part of it, but I will say this is, this is, um, combat at the highest level. Like this is, uh, the championship fight. Uh, the two best guys. I mean, and Jan is is a is a puzzle, man. Like yeah. no no one has ever done what Aljo did. Like sure, he hasn't really fought anyone with strong wrestling, but no one has been able to control Jan. No one's been able to really take down Jan. No one has been able to really put Jan in a, in a tough position. But Aljo controlled him for for two rounds. And while that's not maybe uh, pleasing to the fan, for a, a hardcore fan like you and I, we can appreciate how. He was able to do that to a guy who's been flawless up to this point. So, yeah. um, like, I mean, it's not going to be pleasing to the to a casual fan, but I mean, for me, uh, I really enjoy what I saw from Aljo because it was a complete change from the first fight. So it, it makes you kind of believe a little bit what he was saying. Like in that first fight, he was so wild and frantic. His eyes, his eyes were like wide open. His eyes were so big. In this fight, he, he seemed like he was a lot more calm. Like he like he had a plan. Like he knew what he was gonna yeah. do. Um, so man, I mean, I, I'm giving Aljo all the credit in the world because I don't feel like he's getting a lot of credit from from many people uh, because of his style and everything else. But uh, props to Aljo, man. He yeah. he's the undisputed champion legitimately this time. Yeah, I also thought in the press conference and everything, like I didn't think he looked super confident. Um, and I thought that was a really bad sign, but I mean, then he fights the fight and it was Jan that, that didn't, wasn't composed and was emotionally erratic. And Aljo was as cool, calm and collected as he could possibly be in that situation. So I kind of got the complete opposite vibe from him in the, in the week leading up to this fight. And if you had told me right when that fight was going to start that, that he was going to be that collected and he was going to be the more emotionally in charge of, of, you know, his side of things there, I would have been like, no way. I, I don't believe it. And and he was, and that's a big part of this. You know, like you want to look at like the submissions and the knockouts and everything. But uh, I mean, being in control of what you're putting out, there's a massive element of this sport. And we see it all the time uh, when you lose that control, you know, maybe it means that you, you gas yourself or, you know, it could mean a bunch of different things, but we see it all the time. When you lose that control of yourself, you open yourself up to, to a number of different things that can beat you outside of just, you know, somebody landing the big shot. So absolutely. Uh, so we, uh, we are now even on the scoreboard and we are even on the scoreboard. Will because it was Mackenzie Dern over Tisha Torres, man, you know, I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad about that because I was very impressed by what I saw from Mackenzie Dern, um, coming from that fight with Marina Rodriguez, how, it, how there was such a, a gap in the striking. I thought that she would struggle um, in the striking department with Tisha Torres, but she was up in her face, pressuring her. I was very surprised by that. Um, of course, Tisha is is not the tallest. She doesn't have uh, a lot of length, but she's very strong. But uh, Mackenzie was throwing so much. Like, she re never really let Tisha 
uh, really get going, really get anything off. Like, I, I think I, at one point I looked at the striking numbers and Mackenzie Dern was up at like 80 strikes and Tisha had only thrown like 40. So um, it was a really close fight, though. I did feel like I, I was a little biased um, because, you know, of course, I had points on the line. Uh, I really wanted them to give the nod to Tisha, of course. But, you know, I'm not mad at the McKenzie side of this. Yeah. It came down to that first round because round two was dominated by McKenzie Dern and her submission threat. And then round three uh, was pretty much Tisha. Uh, it just came down to the to round one. And, and and again, it came down to personal preference. Like, did you did you want to see did you like uh, Tisha being the more efficient striker or did you like McKenzie landing the bigger shots? So it yeah. kind of just came down to that. And it, I think it was fitting of a split decision. And, you know. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Um, I did. I felt like Tisha was uh, was better all around, but Mackenzie has sh- is showing that she's better, that she's getting better, that she's working really hard, and that's something that you couldn't always say about her when she first got into the got to the game. And she's fine, so I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, in the Yawn Sterling round one, like I scored it for Yawn, but you could talk me out of it, especially if we if we rewatched it in the Dern Torres fight, like. I think Dern won round one. You're probably not going to talk me out of it, but if you score it the other way, I don't think it's a robbery, if that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. I could be talked out of the other one. I, you can't talk me out that McKenzie won here, but, like, I think I don't think it's crazy if you want to present the other side of it. Like, you're not going to change my mind, but it was at least close enough where, like, I'm not going to say, like, I, this guy clearly needs to just quit the MMA thing because he doesn't know what he's <laughs> talking about, but I, it was a really fun fight. Um, I thought two things were really noticeable to me. Number one, Mackenzie Dern's improved in the stand-up a lot since the Marina Rodriguez fight. But number two, like there's just a massive difference in Marina Rodriguez and Tisha Torres in the stand-up, right? They're both strikers, but like Marina Rodriguez is so sharp and polished and just so good in that way where I think Tisha has some power, but like she's not as, as polished across the board in terms of her attack. And uh, I just... There was never the same level of threat, I think, from Tisha Torres to Mackenzie Dern that there was in the Marina Rodriguez fight. Yeah, and I think a, a big thing, a big something big, is uh, how short she is. Like she's only like yeah. five one, yeah. and then when when there's Marina, she's I don't know how tall. I think she's like five six, but she's uh, a substantially taller taller woman. Um, but with that being said, I think Marina is the the more technical striker um, out of the out of those two. So. Uh, I mean, I think McKenzie knew, like, I can pressure her. Uh, I'm going to be able to see her coming because she's so short. I have the reach advantage. Uh, my I, my legs are longer. I can throw kicks. I can do X, Y, Z. So I think she knew, like, she could pressure her where Marina could could put her lights out if she got too close. So, um, But McKenzie has gotten way better in the stand-up. Like, I, I was pretty shocked by how much better that she got and how much and how comfortable that she looked um, throwing uh, that much output. Well, we know that uh, Rose and, and Carla Esparza are going to fight for the belt um, in the co-main event uh, preceding Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira. We just heard, I, I think it was this week, that Whaley and Joanna are going to have their rematch. I forget the date on that, but it's it's happening. Um, I guess this means, for me, I guess, Marina Rodriguez is probably next in line for the belt after Carla and uh, and Rose. And Mackenzie Dern, Jan Shaunan, to me, makes the most sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that it, it just makes all the sense in the world. Um, Joanna Whaley, like I'm not going to say it's been like swept under the rug. Like when it was announced, I feel like this should be a bigger deal than, than what yeah. it is. Like 
I don't know if they're going to make it three rounds or five rounds, but I am so excited for that. Uh, that's going to be on the uh, Glover Teixeira Yuri Prohaska card. So that card nice. literally has Prohaska and uh, Teixeira. It has Valentina and Talia Santos. It has Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, and now it has Joanna and Whaley. So that card is loaded. loaded. But um, yeah, Rose and Carla are fighting next month. Joanna and Whaley are fighting the month after that. I feel like Mackenzie um, and Jan Shannon are pretty much in the same little area right now, kind of just needing that win to get into that championship level. So it makes all sense in the world. The uh, main card started with Mark Madsen and Vince Bichelle. Uh Let me just ask you this. Mark Madsen wins. Um, he's now 12-0. and 0. He's I, what three-time, I think, Olympian, Olympic gold medalist. 12-0 and 0 in the UFC. What do you think is the ceiling for him? I think... Um... I think he's going to reach a level where the where the wrestling um, where his wrestling isn't going to be enough. Uh, but I'm not sure where exactly that is because Vince Michelle is good. I mean, but he's not like the ranked guy. Like the lightweight division is so loaded. Like it's not. It's kind of hard to really tell like where exactly Vince Michelle really was. But I think he's going to reach like is Mark Madsen going to out wrestle Gregor Gillespie, who's Ranked number twelve or something like that. Is he going to out wrestle um, Armin Sarukian? Like, I'm not sure when he when he gets to these ranked guys and the wrestling doesn't exactly work out for him and he's forced to strike with these guys. I mean, I'm not really sure that's going yeah. to work out well for him. So, I mean, he's got a good base, but I think at some point it's going to catch up to him that these guys are like good everywhere. Yeah, I um, I saw a lot of conversation about this on Twitter. Saturday night, you know, because again, you know, he, you give him credit for what he accomplished in wrestling and being the the gold medalist, and he's twelve and zero, great start in the UFC. He's thirty seven years old, number one, and I think there's he's still very raw. I think in terms of just MMA, uh, so by the time I think his skills catch up to where they need to be, I don't know that he'll have enough in the gas tank. But like, I I don't see him being a top fifteen guy at that in that division. Like, I just I don't see where the wrestling outweighs everything else that those guys in the top 15 and probably the first few that are outside of the top 15 have like, like what does a Mark Madsen, Terrence McKinney fight look like? Like I, I mean, Terrence McKinney is a, is a very polished wrestler. Like uh, I know he's been knocking people out and stuff and, and all that, but this is a guy, I think he said he's trained with the Olympians and and everything. Like Terrence McKinney is no slouch when it comes to the wrestling. So if that cancels out and Mark Madsen is going to have to stand with this guy, I don't really like his chance. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, 12 and 0 for Mark Madsen, uh but yeah, I don't know. I I I I noticed there were some some like people are either yeah, this guy really has a chance or completely out on him, uh which I thought was kind of funny and I'm I'm probably on the side that yeah, I just I don't see it, but yeah, yeah uh, I don't see it like maybe if he was younger and he had more time. Yeah, if he's to, like 21. Like, yeah, that's a whole yeah. Right. Like if you have if you have more time, but at thirty seven, like how much better can you actually get when you're coming into the game this this late? So I mean, the wrestling's only going to take him so far. Yeah, he's too one dimensional. Like Yoel had, uh, he was an Olympian, right? But he had scary knockout power. Right. Like DC DC was a uh, was an Olympian, but he had so much in terms of he was so fast with his striking. Uh, he had a submission game. Like he was so well rounded, very very skilled. Marco Madsen, I mean, he's got the wrestling, but what else does he have? Yeah. I mean, we saw him in a war with Clay Guida, which props to him. He got the edged out of decision. But how many of those does he really have in him? I mean, yeah. at 37, I don't really think he's got many of those. 
Um, get your thoughts on any of the prelims that you want to mention, uh, just for the sake of time. I'll just throw this one out. Ian Gary was the, the featured prelim. This is a guy that has a ton of momentum, rising star, big time prospect. He goes the distance with Darian Weeks, gets the decision. Um, I, I did notice, I think based on the hype, a level of maybe disappointment overall with the performance. He's still obviously a very young guy. He's now nine and zero in the UFC. Um, any, any big thoughts on, on what you saw from Ian Gary? And then any other I, thoughts you had with the prelims? I actually like what I saw from me and Gary because um, I think we, when we see these prospects, we want to see him, we want to see them get the finish. But when the finish isn't, I'm not going to say when the finish isn't there, but when he's not chasing it, like you can either fight to, to get a knockout or you can fight to win. And I think he fought this to win. I, I think that Darian Weeks wasn't really opening himself up and he was trying to force Ian Gary to make the mistake. So Ian Gary's not going to make that mistake and then, you know, uh, derail his his hype train. You know, I feel like this was a fight that that he fought very strategically. I feel like that showed a lot of maturity because, of course, people want to see him get the knockout. Like we saw Patty Pimlet get a finish. But I think it's I think it showed a lot of maturity out of Ian Gary to um, recognize what Darian Weeks was trying to do and not force uh, a yeah. knockout. And I, just go out there and get a win. I was somewhat conflicted because I agree with everything you just said, but I also at, at points of that fight just kind of felt like he was playing it really safe. And I get like you don't want to make the mistake, but I also felt like there was just a level of like I'm just gonna to coast, like maybe I, I don't know. It, it, I was somewhat conflicted because I agree you, you're not gonna derail the hype train to, to just try and chase a finish, or I think you use the best term, force a finish. So I agree with you from that standpoint. You don't want to force the finish, but I also kind of felt like there was a little bit of a uh, like hesitation to really do anything beyond playing it kind of safe. So kind of a weird, like I just kind of had a weird in-between there. I think it, it, it's just one of those things where it doesn't really damage him because he got the win. Right. And I think um, with him still being young in this game, still, uh, I think the, the win really preceded everything else. Uh, preceded 100%. him getting the getting the finish because at this point there's really no margin for error like he would really have to get wins at this point to to, to build up so uh i think with with that in mind ian gary was just like let me play it safe and walk away with the win because he, he was clearly the better guy yeah, yeah for sure any other thoughts on the prelims before we move on and make some picks yeah so um i thought raquel pennington looked great but um i wonder what happened with aspen lab man because she was a, a prospect that was like uh, so close to a to a title shot, and then like it, it just doesn't really seem like she's got that 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 fire in her anymore. Like she used to go out there and she had like a meanness to her, but it, it kind of seems like now she kind of holds back. So, uh, but props to Raquel Pennington to go out there on short notice and beat uh, Aspen Ladd. Um, how about Mike Malad over Mickey Gall and uh, one of the few finishes that we got yeah. on the card? Like it was it was a crazy. Uh, punch that he dropped him with uh just to see mickey gall go just face plant like that it was it was crazy um and then of course the, the post fight when he was talking about his coach's daughter and donating uh money to that i thought that was pretty cool of him to do that awesome um and then of course i mean i feel like we've been talking about alexia Olenek getting his 60th win for a long time and it just hasn't come to fruition like every time every time you uh we talk about a alexia Olenek fight you always say alexia Olenek. 59 wins and X <laughs> losses. And, you know, he's, he's been around the sport, you know, so long. But finally he got that 60th win. And it just goes to show, man, when when he's got that grip and he starts that, that squeeze, like it must feel like death to these guys because they're 
tapping, like, please save me. Like, oh, my God, like, I don't want any parts of this anymore. Um, that grip must feel like death. Yeah. Yeah. 60 wins, man. That's finally. I didn't 60. think he was going to get there. I, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> he lost three in a row. I thought that Vandera was going to win this. And at one point, it looked like it was over, right? And yeah, crazy how that thing turned. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's make some picks for this fight card. Will, we're tied at 98. We're tied at 98 because I had Mackenzie Dern. You had Tisha Torres. Mackenzie Dern won, which erased our three-point deficit. I got to tell you, going into Saturday, I was 100% convinced. Not only was I going to win that one, but I was going to be ahead on the scorecard because I was convinced that Jarzinho Rosenstrike was going to beat Marcin Tabura, and that fight ends up getting called off, and, and Tabura, I guess, had some health situations that that, uh, that fight didn't happen. So... Uh, I am not in the lead. We are tied 98-98 across the board. I didn't overtake you, so you are still uh, picking first in the uh, in the driver's seat. But, uh, I mean, I guess if, if we at least disagree on one fight here, Will, um, somebody's taking the lead next week. Yeah, I, look, I after I made the, the pick on Martian Tybura, like, I, it was one of those things that as soon as the show was over, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, damn, why did I pick Martian Tybura? Like... <laughs> Like when I was talking and everything, it sounded good. But then when I ha when I thought about it more, I'm like, damn. Like, Mar Marson hasn't fought anybody like Jarzinho, and and then if he has, he hasn't really like uh, done that well. So like when he when he fights big punches, he normally loses. So I was I started to get a little scared. And then when that fight got canceled, I remember it was such a huge like weight lifted <laughs> off my shoulders. I was like, whoo! Like I remember I texted you and I was like. Man, I was a little worried about this yeah. one because yeah. I, I really was. I was like, damn, like, why did I do that? But, I mean, I guess the fight gods knew, like, you weren't thinking straight, Will. You yeah. got to do better next time. So, uh, hopefully with this, with these uh, fights coming up, I, I do a better job. This card, I believe, sometimes we have just really good cards that people call sneaky good. And I'm like, it's not sneaky good. That's just a good card. This card, I think, is the definition of sneaky good card. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a very sneaky good card. And like, you're not going to really recognize any of the names or like a majority of these names. You're not going to got going to recognize unless you're a real hardcore fan. But you're going to see some really high level uh, MMA. Some of these matchups are really, really fun. And I think we're going to see a, a show uh, on Saturday. I mean, I will say, though, in terms of the star power, I guess uh, this card is not better than 270. <laughs> no, no, I'd agree with that. Not I mean, better than and, 270. And, and, and it's, it's, it's by This a is going to have to be margin. our bit the entire year. You realize yeah. that, right? <laughs> Every time I see a card, this yeah. is all I think is about. It better, than is it better than 270. <laughs> I think we're like 50% actually, which is crazy, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there haven't there hasn't been many cards, but like, it's crazy how they did 270. Yeah. But And then you see how 271 was on paper, 272, 273, like 274, 275. Like, what the what the hell? Like, yeah. why couldn't 270 get any type of love like that? Yeah. <laughs> there are like, I, I don't even know the number, five or six or seven guys making their UFC debut on this card, by the way. Yeah, there's some yeah. really, really fun matchups, and they're going to be yeah. really, really close. Uh, I'm excited for this one, man. I, I On some of these... I'm going to have to talk myself into some picks because yeah. I'm really conflicted, but uh, this is going to be a fun night of fights for sure. Yeah. And with that, uh, let's uh, let's get to the picks as uh, this is the Vicente Luque Bilal Muhammad main event on Saturday. I'm, I'm actually reading really slow because I have to refresh my 
uh, odds <laughs> page. So that's why I'm drawing it out to give myself a moment to have the odds ready to go. So when I start talking, the odds are right there. And there we are. Sente Luque, Bala <laughs> Muhammad is your main event. But the main card begins in the welterweight division. We have Munir Lazez. And this is a guy making his UFC debut. I know he was a contender series guy, but I don't remember the pronunciation of his name. I'm going to go with uh, Anj Lusa. Yeah, so... Um, do, you remember, uh, do you remember Anj Lusa on uh, contender series this year before I give the odds? I, I don't. Okay. Uh, but I did know that this was his debut, but I don't really remember him on uh, Contender Series. But um, this fight was originally supposed to be uh, Lazez and um, I don't even want to uh, – Zaleski Dos Santos, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was supposed to be Dos Santos and uh, Lizette and Lazez, which was, which was going to be a really, really fun fight um, with, um, with Losa stepping in on such short notice, um, which is like maybe um, – a couple of days notice or uh what's today yeah it's only a couple of days notice so uh i feel like lizette is gonna have an advantage being on a full camp i do feel like uh lois is probably gonna just try to come out and end it early but i think the with him not having a full camp is gonna work in lizette's favor so i'm gonna go with uh Lizez on this one this i did not give odds because this uh does not have odds currently on oddshark.com uh, but uh, I'm Lazez as well. Lazez was one of those guys that had a, a big fight in uh, the first Fight Island card, if I remember correctly, uh, in 2020, and uh, looked like a guy with that length and, and the style could be uh, interesting in that welterweight division, uh, obviously knowing like what somebody like Wonderboy has done in that division for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Not putting him in that same category, but, but just stylistically uh, kind of looking at him as, as maybe being... Uh, somewhat similar. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, for me, this wasn't even something I contemplated. This is Lizez easy. Uh, or not an easy fight, but my decision was easy. Uh, right. All right, <laughs> featherweights, we have Pat Sabatini and TJ Laramie. Oddshark.com has Sabatini minus 400 plus 300 for TJ Laramie. Yeah, so... Um... I, I, I'm surprised that Laramie's su- such a big underdog, but I, I understand it because um, Sabatini is on a, what is, I, I think he's won two in a row, two or three in a row. Um, five fight so, win streak, three in a row five, in the UFC. Okay, oh, okay, three, okay, yeah. yeah, so three in the UFC, uh, he's won five in a row total, so uh, I feel like there's a lot of, a uh, lot to love on this guy, um, but, you know, I think Laramie's going to be a tough out. I don't think that uh, this is going to be an easy fight for him by any means. I think he's going to get tested, but I do expect uh, Sabatini to win this one. Sabatini for me as well, and uh, I think it's uh, just a little bit more experience, a little bit more polish, uh, but this should be a fun one for sure. All right, third fight on the main card is, uh, let's see, Myra Bueno Silva and Yanan Wu in the women's bantamweight division. Oddshark.com has Buena Silva at minus 450, plus 325 for Wu. Um, I'm not even going to spend too much time trying to think on like who was going to win this one. I think it's pretty easy. I think uh, Bueno Silva is just better. She's got more experience, more skills. So uh, my pick's going to go with Bueno Silva for sure. Um, same across the board for me. Which takes us to the welterweight division, where we have Andre Fialo and Miguel Baeza. Baeza minus one seventy-five, Fialo plus one forty-five. 
uh, this one's going to be fun. Um, you know, Baeza had a similar matchup uh, in his last fight against Chaos Williams. Uh, he's he's going to be the more skilled guy, and Fiala's going to be the more powerful guy. Um, Baeza made one mistake with Chaos Williams. Uh, he threw a lazy kick, and Chaos countered him. Th- that definitely could happen again if if Baeza throws uh, that lazy kick and doesn't and isn't ready to defend himself uh, off of that. Um, Fiala is very powerful. We saw him fight um, Michelle Pajeda, yep. and it was very interesting in that first round. And Pajeda had to use some wrestling. And I don't think that Baez is going to be using much wrestling. If this fight's going to be on the feet, Baez is going to have to move, and he's going to have to be very uh, technical, which he is. He's a very skilled guy, but he's going to have to avoid the the power of Fialo because Fialo's going to be throwing a man. Um, but with that being said, I do trust the skill level of Miguel Baeza. Um, and I do trust his ability to take to take some shots because we did see him against uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio take some uh, some big shots. That was a great fight. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the best fights of the year last year, I believe. So I think Baeza, this is a fight that he should win, but he's gotta uh, he he's gotta not be so lazy when he throws these kicks. Like if he if he's ahead, he can't just be like, oh, I'm ahead. I can just throw X out there. Like he's gotta. Uh, protect himself at all times yeah I mean I think he knew chaos had a ton of power but it, I, I think he was fighting such a careful fight that he almost like got too comfortable in what he was doing and then got the big knockout I think you see a, a very dialed in version of of Baeza I think you see him return with a win and yeah I'm going to take the more technical guy uh, but there's no doubt that the uh, the knockout factor is something to pay attention to all right, our co-main event is in the middleweight division, and these are both guys making their UFC debut, Will. These are both guys that were in, I believe both were in last contender series uh, in 2021. Sometimes I, I, I lose track of when these happen, so maybe one was before, but I think they were both last year. I don't know the pronunciations either way, but I'll give it my best <laughs> effort. So uh, the first one's his name is C-A-I-O, so I'm going to say Chow Brawlo. Or Bahalo, because he's there's a Brazilian flag there, and mm-hmm. let's go. He's ten and one, by the way, and let's go with uh, Godzi Omar Godziev, who is that, thirteen that, and zero that. from Russia. Again, both making their UFC debut. Uh, Omar Godziev is uh, minus one thirty five, plus one hundred five for Bahalo. You like yeah, that man. I do the H's with the R's? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So. I think that there is a reason why these two are the co-main event. Um, and, you know, you haven't really heard much about them. Of course, they were on Contender Series. Um, but these are obviously two guys that the UFC has um, a lot behind. And to match these guys up off the bat, you know, it goes to show, like, you know, they're, they're going to get behind one of these guys uh, in a major, major way. Um, man, in terms of who I'm going to pick... Um, I kind of feel like this is the the prototypical striker brawler, not striker brawler, but striker grappler matchup. Of course, you got the Brazilian guy who's the striker, and you got the Russian guy who's the grappler. Um, man, man, this this it's tough because um, both guys had such good uh, good starts on the contender series. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, with uh, Godsey. Okay. Uh, 
just because I appreciate, I feel like I appreciate you uh, <laughs> playing it safe there and going first name. Yeah, yeah because yeah. That, that last one, I forgot how you even pronounced it. So I was like, you know what? God, you know, this one seems a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with him because I have a little bit more faith in a guy who can control it from the grappling aspect in, uh, in a three round fight. Um, of course, um, Child could, could land something big. And uh, get him out of there, but I'm going to go with uh, with the grappling. You know, those guys from Russia are are relentless. So um, I'm, my pick's gonna roll with him. How about this? Godsey is six one as opposed to his five ten opponent, but is at a disadvantage in the reach. He's only at sixty seven inches, whereas his opponent is seventy five. Really? <laughs> so the other guy wow. is three inches shorter. But has a what eight inch? That is, I've never advantage. heard of anything yeah. like that. Isn't that crazy? That is that is wild. That is insane. He is three four inches shorter. Yeah, but has a eight, eight inch, reach, inch advantage. reach advantage. That is crazy. That oh wild? my god, that is wild, the man. Um, so if if uh, if this fight is on the feet, I mean he's going to have to be careful. But I do expect him to take this to the to the ground at at any chance that he has yeah uh 13 and 0 uh he's very good on the ground with submissions and everything so i do feel like he'll be able to get this to the ground and uh, and possibly finish him i so i mean i think i speak for both of us don't know a ton about either one of these guys other than the little bit of contender series yeah. stuff that yeah, we yeah. saw so uh very limited amount to go from i almost decided before we started the show although i did i was leaning one way i almost decided like i'm just gonna go with uh with whatever will doesn't I feel like that gets me in trouble too many times, especially when like I'm not actually 50-50 and I feel like I'm leaning in one direction, but it's not a strong lean. So I'm like, okay, I'll gamble because I'm not like dead set on this guy, even though I think he's going to win. And then I, I lose. So I'm going <laughs> to fight the urge here to go opposite you just for the sake of going opposite because I'm in on Godsey as well. And I think it's just for me, again, based on the limited amount we've seen, I feel like a little more well-rounded and uh, probably more ways to win, especially in a three-round fight. Uh, than uh, than his opponent, which to me kind of looks like it's you know big punch type scenario. If he doesn't land that, like is he going to outpoint this guy over the course of three rounds? I don't think he is. So there you go. There's my pick. Which takes us to what uh, I think is going to be an incredible main event and should be a ton of fun. It is Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad in the welterweight division. Oddshark.com has Luque as the minus one eighty favorite plus. 150 for Bilal. So, um, this one is pretty interesting because I feel like uh, the the Bilal side of things, I thought I had a pretty good idea of how, of what his ceiling was until I saw him fight Wonder Boy. And then that completely kind of changed my mind on it because to see how Bilal did Wonder Boy especially when Wonderboy knew exactly how Bilal was going to fight him. Uh, Bilal basically wiped the floor with, with Wonderboy over three rounds. I mean, I think there was like 30-25s and 30-24, I think something like that. Like He really just completely wiped the floor with him. But, I mean, this is a fight that we've seen before. Um, of, of course, it was years ago at UFC 205. Vicente Luque gets a knockout. But both guys have, have been through so much since that fight. And they're both on the cusp of being in championship contention. Uh, it's kind of hard because I, I kind of feel like uh, with this fight being at the apex, uh, it favors Bilal 
a little bit more than than it would in a at the in the big arena. Uh, so I think Bilal's graphic could come into play here. So um, with that being said, mm. both these guys have had a, an eye stoppage in the last two years. Luke has too. Uh, the Nico Price Luke fight was stopped with an eye injury. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's and right. then uh, involved. Pri- I should have involved in a. Uh, Nico yeah, Price's doctor. eye. I remember yeah. that his his eye was like yeah. shut. He couldn't open it, but he was still game to fight. I remember that now. Yeah. Both yeah, guys involved so. in a, a doctor stoppage because of an eye, eye poke, but yeah. Um, both have fought Steven Thompson. Different outcomes, by the way. Uh, both Different fought each fight. other, like you said. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. Yeah, and uh, this is the right fight to make at the right time. These are two guys who are in the same exact spot and uh, who deserve to be in championship contention, but they they need to have that one fight. Uh, to put them over the top, and for both guys, uh, that's what this will be. I mean, I feel like part of me thinks that this is going to be a war, and then another part of me thinks that thinks that one person is just going to dominate. Um, will it be Luke's power? Will it be Bilal's uh, grappling, or will we just see an all-out war for five rounds? That's kind of where I'm at. Um, the apex being this fight being at the apex really. Uh, really makes it tough because if it wasn't in the apex, I feel like I would easily pick Vicente, but with this fight being uh, at the apex, I feel like that swings things in favor of Bilal a lot more uh, because of the smaller cage. And so if you force me to make a pick, (sighs) okay, I'm going to base my pick on if I was actually putting money on it. If I was actually putting some cash on this, I would roll with uh, Vicente Luque, so my pick's going to roll with Luque, but uh, I'm not as confident as I would like to be in that pick. I think you're right about the octagon, and I think that Luque's better everywhere, but I think Bilal's pace is probably his biggest weapon in this matchup, which, again, makes sense in in, uh, the Apex. Uh, But I'm going Vicente Luque uh, as well. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun fight. I actually do think it's going to be a war. I think this is going to be a a really good fight that, that... even if we get a finish, I don't think it's going to be early. Uh, but Luke, I just think is, I mean, again, I think that Bilal has the like pace advantage, but I think Luke is better everywhere. Um, Luke has five Darce choke finishes in his UFC career. He's so dangerous on the ground, but he also has the power. Like, I, I think in terms of like being a threat to finish the fight, he can finish the fight in so many areas. Bilal, oh, yeah. on the other hand, may not be like the threat to finish the fight, but he's just good everywhere, right? Like he can do a little bit of everything really well and he's not easy to put away. And if you don't put him away, like his pace and just overall arsenal, I think over the course of, of the entirety of the fight could potentially win him a decision. Uh, but like you, as, as I was kind of torn on this, um, I decided earlier, like I just think Luke is better in more places and more dangerous in more places but if this thing goes goes the distance, like it wouldn't shock me to see Bilal get the decision. Uh, so ultimately, I think this is going to be an awesome fight. I think it's going to live up to the hype. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Vicente Luque. I think that if this fight was, was three rounds, I feel like I would be a little bit more comfortable if to pick Bilal. But with this fight being five rounds, because, you know, with how Bilal fought Wonderboy, I feel like he would be able to put a similar type of pace on Luke, um, 
Man, but I don't know because Luke is so good on the ground. Yeah. Luke might, I mean, in terms of being dangerous on the feet and on the ground, like Luke might be the most dangerous finisher in this division. Uh, agree. Yeah. I mean, just with the way that he slapped on that Dars on, on Michael Chiesa, that's just a perfect example because you 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 would think that Chiesa had such an advantage, but yeah. as soon as Vicente saw that small opening, yeah. it was a wrap and it was crazy. Uh, I mean, I mean, there was nothing that Chiesa could really do. There was just a split a split opening, a split moment where Luque could could finish the fight and he and he took it. And we're used to seeing Luque in in um, in brawls, but I feel like we're really seeing the fight IQ the championship level pedigree that he could potentially have. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more confident in my pick, but I would not be surprised if we, if we were here next week and it's a Bilal Muhammad decision win because, um, because of his grappling. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good fight though, man. Um, I was just looking cause I was trying to remember when Bilal's last finish was decision win over wonder boy, decision over Maya decision over Diego Lima decision over Lyman. Good. 2019, he beat uh, Takashi Sato with a rear naked choke in round three. And then before that, decision win over Curtis Millinder. Lost to Jeff Neal, but decision win over uh, Chance uh, Rencounter. Uh, Tim, decision win over, split decision win over Tim Means. Decision win over Jordan Mean. Decision win over Randy Brown. And then that takes us all the way back to 2016. When he lost on the uh, the knockout to to Luke. So not many uh, finishes, but I mean we know the type of fighter that he is. He puts a pace on people, yeah. and it's and it's really suffocating. Um, but with a guy as dangerous as Luke, a guy as explosive as Luke, will he be able to put on that pace? I think Bilal showed um, what he's capable of in that Wonder Boy fight. I, I don't yeah. think many people really expected that type of performance from him. So, um, and I do think the apex was a part of that. So I do think that um, Bilal, you know, he, he, he could make some, something happen, but I think, you know, Luke, like you said, he's just, he's just great everywhere. Like yeah. he's better than Bilal everywhere, I should say. Yeah. So I think that's going to play a factor. All right, man. Uh, no points up for grabs this week, which means uh, we'll go into next week tied. You'll continue to pick first, but uh, I feel like, I feel like next week I potentially see some fights where I think we might be on the other side. So, um, we will, you, you will at least stay in the driver's seat despite the score being tied for one more week. Thanks I don't feel Marcin good. I, Tabira. I, I don't, <laughs> right. Thanks to Marcin Tabira be getting sick. Yeah. I, I, um, thank you to the fight God, because I was, <laughs> I was going to come on here and be really sick myself if, uh, I lost that, uh, if I was going to be down because of that decision. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel comfortable with this being tied, even though I am still picking first. This is this is this is a tie ball game right now, and I'm I need to get back on top. So we're on the same side of every fight this week, but next week, maybe maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see if we can get something uh, on the other side. Yeah, Limosh Andrade next Saturday, and uh, we'll have another episode middle of next week. All right, buddy. Always fun. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to spend 30 minutes giving Hamzat Shemaev the uh, the attention right. that he's not getting anywhere else. So it's about it's about <laughs> damn time. Yeah, I mean Hamza, brother. I know that you're not getting much love anywhere, but <laughs> you're gonna get out. You're gonna get all the love here, brother. Come, come, come That's here. Right. You and Darren Till. You're gonna get all the love here, man. <laughs> well, maybe not Darren Till so much, but uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I, I like Darren Till. <laughs> it, it's he's an easy joke because of you know him coming into the picture, and then all of a sudden, like uh, Hamza goes the distance. So 
Darren, don't think that we don't know what Low you're hanging, doing. You're, yeah. you're, you're attaching yourself to, to Hamzat to keep yourself relevant. Don't think that we don't know what you're doing, man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, taking away the mystique at the same time. So yeah, we, we see you. We see you, Darren. Yeah, we, we see what you're doing too, man. Yeah. Anyway, leave Hamzat alone. Yeah. Uh, Darren Tell's funny, though, so... Let him be the boogeyman. That's right. All right, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll obviously be in touch over the weekend, but uh, we'll do it again next week. Sure, have a good one, buddy. Podcast is over.